to the go. Okay. Welcome to Sports Med Res's This Week in Review podcast, where we highlight the recent news in sports medicine research. We're back after a long hiatus to discuss a recent study where the authors concluded that prescribing running shoes based on foot type and general footwear type does not reduce the risk of lower limb running injuries. Here to discuss this study with us is author of our post, Jen Chu. Thanks, Jen, for joining us today. Yeah, it's great to be here. So before we get started, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and what you've been doing and what interested you about this study. Yeah, right now I'm a um, second year doctoral student at the University of Virginia, and I'm doing my research in the exercise and sport injury laboratory. And essentially what I'm looking at is foot health along with the rates and risks of foot injury and how sort of toe strength and intrinsic foot muscle strength play a role in all these things. So um, I also have an interest in footwear, um, specifically minimalist footwear. So I was really interested in this study. And I guess if you want some background, um, I got my master's at Utah State and I did my undergraduate in athletic training at the University of Pittsburgh. Perfect. Thanks, Jen. So I think after years of hearing people kind of tell us that we should be advising patients to select footwear based on their foot type, this study seemed a little bit surprising to me. I was wondering from your perspective, was the findings here a bit of a surprise or something you've seen in the literature for a while now? It's something I have seen, I would say a little bit in the literature, but almost more so in just like anecdotal methods. I guess, you know, there's a lot of people who are now talking about just finding shoes that are comfortable for someone, right? You also have to consider cost when buying footwear. Um, But as someone who actually used to work in a shoe store, um, and we even had those, you know, pressure mats that people could stand on to see what their feet were like, I could actually see why this article says that there's no, not a big difference. You know, it basically relied on some like haphazardly trained, you know, young college kids in a store looking at someone's foot and saying, oh, you pronate or you supinate, you know, and not fully understanding like what we're looking at and just using that to say, you should get this shoe. And I think it's a lot more nuanced than that. For example, you know, pronation is actually a necessary part of gait, right? We have to be able to allow that arch to collapse. Um, I think a reason people have pain would be just a lack of pronation control But if we have a pronator and we fully take away their ability to even go through that arch collapse, it takes away, I think, a very important part of the gait cycle. So in most cases, I would say, again, you're picking something that's comfortable for them. If they're wearing this shoe that has a huge arch support and they're like, this hurts and they don't like it, they shouldn't probably wear that. But, you know, there are extreme cases in which case someone might need a lot more support in a shoe. But that's not very common, I would say. Yeah, I wasn't super surprised by the results, but it's just food for thought, I guess. Yeah. And it sounds like from what you're saying, the take home message is kind of wear what's comfortable. Find the shoe that works for you. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. Because I think, let's see, I think footwear involves a lot of things. So whether you're wearing it to walk or run, right? Because when we walk, we do heel strike. You're supposed to do that. When you run, you might have people who heel strike or people who forefoot strike, And that might change what shoes comfortable for you. It does seem like people with, you know, um, a higher heel to toe drop. So just like a really elevated heel with a lot of cushioning, they tend to heel strike because it's comfortable for them. 
So maybe they do need those shoes that are more cushioned. Whereas people who wear minimal shoes tend to forefoot strike. So, you know, it depends a lot on what your goal is and kind of what you need from the shoe. And, you know, someone who has a very high arch could pronate very, I want to say aggressively. (laughs) Um, And perhaps they're moving through a much greater range of motion than someone who's a flatter foot and also pronates quite a bit. So it almost like depends on your starting point as well. And it involves your structure of your foot as well as the actual function with the muscles, right? I don't think that structure dictates function. I think that they both play a role in each other, I guess, if that makes sense. Um, And yeah, so all of these things are so many parts when you're looking at footwear. Sometimes it's easier just to say, hey, try this out, see how it feels. Like walk around your house in the shoes for a few days. So, you know, so you can return the shoes um, and, and see what feels good. So. And that was kind of setting me up for my next question, which is, you know, for the high school runner who doesn't know yet what type of shoe they really like and doesn't have the resources to try 10 different brands or 10 different models, it sounds like one of the solutions is wear it around the house and get a little sense of how it's working for you over a few days. And if you need to return it, but if it feels good, then try it out for perhaps a short run and then build up from there with that shoe. Yeah, I would say so. I, I think that's a good idea. It, it could also help to go to stores that are geared towards runners. You know, you don't, you might not get as many discounts if you go online to like Dick's Sporting Goods and you have a coupon, you know, but I think they're a lot more understanding of what someone who is a runner needs. And it can be really helpful to get some, some feedback there. You know, there are some stores I've been to that have a little running track inside that you can try out. But yeah, I would always suggest wearing them around the house or at least knowing the return policy. Um, and then sometimes, I mean, sometimes it's important to find a shoe that looks, so looks cool to have some high school runners. Right. So there's a lot of, a lot of things that play there. Um, obviously you do get what you pay for. So you probably don't want like a $40 pair of running shoes, but you also don't need to shell out like $300 for a pair of shoes. You know, there's like a nice middle ground of shoes that will last well for you. And, that also won't, you know, break down too quickly. Great. And then I think the last thing before we kind of start to do a wrap up is this was a systematic review. um, And I think one of the things that you and I had discussed via email as we were preparing the post was it's a not the highest quality evidence necessarily informing some of these findings. So how should we take that that information knowing that these results seem to be coming from lower quality of evidence. So kind of from an athletic trainer point of view or other healthcare providers, what should we do about recognizing that we lack the high quality evidence in this area? Yeah, I think one of the hardest things is that nuance just does exist. And and to accept that, I think, is, is step one. But also a lot of the studies that were in this review seem to have like conflicting results. Um, And in a systematic review, it's not always, you know, you're not always going to be able to bring out every specific piece of an article and explain why this is different from the other one. So I do think that this is a great review. And if, you know, someone wanted to get more details on maybe a specific person's foot type or um, a specific population, such as like military versus athletes, 
or like, you know, recreational athletes, um, you might, you know, dig into the review and find the articles specific to that population. Right. I think that could be something good. And of course, with, you know, evidence-based medicine, it's not just, well, it's the evidence, right. And it's our own experiences, but I also think that we have to remember that the patient comes first um, and their comfort is key. So just because you read in an article that a person with this type of foot should wear this type of shoe, if it's not comfortable for them, then that's something to maybe just really consider and, and um, try something different for them. You know, in this review, it basically mentioned that prescribing footwear based on foot type is not effective in preventing lower limb injuries. And it's not, I would say it's not as effective as people think it is. Right. So yeah, that's what I would say. I would just say, we're going to emphasize that patient comfort and patient feasibility, you know, what they're able to afford or what they're able to um, kind of get where they are. So, Is there any other take-home messages that you think we should offer um, healthcare providers like athletic trainers or other sports medicine clinicians regarding the the systematic review? Um, I think with something like footwear, where there's extremely conflicting evidence, it would be, I think it's very important with each study that you read or every time someone says, well, I read a study that says, you know, this, it's really important to look at that population, you know, look at, are they four foot strikers? Are they novice runners? Are they elite athletes? Are they, you know, in a different country from, you know, whatever country you're in, like there's so much with footwear that we have to really look at exactly what population is in the study. And I think that's going to help a lot with people making evidence-based decisions. Yeah, that's a great point that, you know, clinical trials are talking about group averages, essentially the difference between the groups. And then you pull a systematic review and you can muddy the water sometimes even more with pooling of group averages. It takes you another step away in some ways from that person level data that could be informative, which is the patient in front of you at that time. That's a great reminder. Thanks for joining us today, Jen. I think this is a tricky issue that a lot of us have been informed, told the same thing over and over again. And it's nice to have somebody who's doing the research in this area kind of give us a little bit of the their take on how to handle some of the data that we're seeing in this systematic review, considering it kind of goes against what some of us have been told for years. So thank you for that. Yeah, of course. And if you're an athletic trainer who's looking for evidence-based practice CEUs, then please check out our nine online evidence-based practice courses available through the Human Kinetics website. We will have links to our summaries and the courses and the article we just discussed on our website and in the show notes. Remember, you can always follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn. We'll be back soon with more sports medicine research. Until then, have a fun one.